0: Okay, now I just wanna do a little exercise right here. Uh, Every movement has a language. Every culture has a language. There's a language attached to and associated to what we're doing. What language did you hear her continuously saying, her? I mean, Marcia, what did you hear? Give me some words. Transformed. Transformed, impacted, changed, loved, accepted, not graded, anybody else? don't be afraid, jump out, throw it out. But all these words, you see all these words she's sharing, these are things that she, and like, you know, there's no, you don't have to be benchmarked, you don't have to be, uh, you're not measured, you don't have to be measured against the culture, but because you're accepted and you're loved, you're identified in that, and your faith alone, like so much of that language is all stuff that in a year, Marcia through her relationship here. Uh, and, and the beautiful thing about that is that you see what we've been sharing in this last several weeks. You see all that we've been sharing and what our culture's been doing and the values and the priorities and all those things. It's amazing how people pick up that language, they develop that language, and it really impacts them. And I was really, really blessed by that because that was also her, I think it was her first day on Guest Center that day. So uh, here's a person who's giving, who's volunteering. And here's another thing. Marcia was here because she was invited. So every aspect of her experience, uh, every one of the verbs, every one of the values, our our mission statement, transforming lives to impact their world. It impacted my parenting. It impacted our family. It impacted our world. Just all that stuff all over the place. So I, as a pastor, was gone, man, you can't get a better commercial for who we are, and that it's being not just communicated, it's being incarnated in lives and families. So I don't know about you, but I was just like... And that was so spontaneous. She didn't even know about that. She just came up that day, boom, and did that because it was so already internalized. She didn't have to take time to study it or think about what I'm going to say. It was a spontaneous expression of her own heart of things that had been formed and developed in her through her engagement. So I don't know about you but I think you should all just say pretty awesome what we're doing here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, honestly it was it was really good. So so I thought that was real good. So so we're all the way down to we got our family business thing here. So we had DNA beliefs, two weeks on values. Now we're on members. We are going to highlight the benefits and opportunities that come with being a part of the family of God and participating in the family business at Impact Church. So that's what we're talking about tonight, all right? So I want to tell you that, that membership for us, it's not here in your notes, but membership for us is, it's, it's function, it's not, it's not uh, you know, you, you kind of get a little badge and uh, you check a few boxes and you get a card and then you're forever a member. Membership for us is, is functional. Say functional it's functional, it's intentional. So you're a member because you function as a member. If you stop functioning, you're not a member. So membership really depends on you when you're in that functional place. I don't know about you, but I didn't have to tell my arm, come on, we got to go to work today. My arm went with me because we're moving together, we're functioning together. And I mean, like what Zach said, we, we believe that God has intentionally placed us here together and therefore we need to dwell with understanding. We need to dwell with purpose and we need to know who we are and what God's done and why he's put us together as a group of people. So membership for me is three basic things in membership, three basic things. Number one, you come. You come, you attend. I mean, you don't have to attend, you get to attend, you know? You don't have to come to this church, but you get to because you recognize the claim of God in your life and what he's placed you in. So you come. Number two, you get involved. You get involved. You, you find a place to minister. I'm glad that uh, we have a pretty big group of people that, that share in ministry around here and, and do the work of the ministry here. And if you're not serving in some aspect of ministry, we really want you to be plugged into some type of small group. So we want you plugged in there. We want you serving, engaged. We want you connected. So we want you attending. We want you connected and functioning in some aspect of ministry. And then number three we want you to give. We want you to develop a pattern where, you know, you realize that, that you own uh, the revelation here. You own and you share the responsibility here and you steward it not only with your life but also with your finances. So your talent, your time, and your treasure, your talent, your time, and your treasure, your talent, your time, and your treasure, you're sowing that fully into, you know, the purpose here and you're in full agreement. So you attend, you get plugged in, and you commit to develop a pattern of giving And if you're doing that, you don't have to say, hey, am I a member? Well, are you? So uh, you would know that because that's what we consider membership. And uh, we've got a few colors in our attendance sheet. We've got black and red and blue and all kinds of things. So uh, when you're members, you're on the black list. All right, so it's good. So that's what members are about, basically, all right? Now, let's look at your notes. We're going to fly through it. It's the middle of the summer. It's the dog days of summer, so we're going to fly through it, but it's going to be fun, all right? C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, fabulous preacher. He said, communion is strength solitude is weakness. Alone, the fine old beach yields to the blast and lies prone in the meadow. In the forest, supporting each other, the trees laugh at the hurricane. The sheep of Jesus flock together. The social element is the genius of Christianity. The social element is the genius of Christianity. What is really the big deal? What's the genius? What, what's, what's the remarkable thing about our faith and who we are? It's the social. It's the community. It's the belonging. It's the connection that is the genius of Christianity. So we want to attach. We want to connect. We want to be functioning sons and daughters in the family of God here at Impact Church. Chris Willotten, he said, The level of sacrifice that an environment requires will determine the size of the people that will follow. Vision gives pain a purpose. Purpose. So anyways, there you go. How many are feeling the pain? How many felt the pain of getting out here tonight? You're just getting out of work. You're going, oh my goodness, look at the time is flying. I need a nap. But, uh, you know, purpose can, can get you going because I know this is important. This is a value that I have. So you get on with it. You know, the level of sacrifice that an environment requires. We require the level of sacrifice we require determines the size of the people to follow. That's a pretty strong quote. Rick Joyner. Rick Joyner wrote a book about the Welsh revival. It's called The World Aflame. You can get that book. We did small groups with that book, several people. But here's something he said that really stood out to me. He said, however, it was their strength in being so open to the Holy Spirit that the enemy used to push them too far. It was their strength in being so open to the Holy Spirit that the enemy used to push them too far so that they actually prohibited the organization that was needed to help preserve the great advances that were made. Because of this, just a couple of years after revival, the evidence was scarce that there'd even been a revival. The whole nation quickly drifted back into its former depravity. That's Rick Joyner, I know, that's his study, that's his analysis of, of years of research of the greatest revival that the world is yet to see, a revival that really did transform a whole nation, all of society, the whole fabric of that nation was totally, absolutely at its core. Totally transformed. And he said their resistance to a wineskin, their resistance to structure, their resistance to a vehicle that would carry that was the very thing that caused it to fall apart. And a lot of people are like, well, we don't need structures, man, you know, but I tell you, structure always came first. I mean, before God breathed life into you, he created a body to breathe life into. Before he breathed the Holy Ghost and created a church, he created a community. Jesus spent all that time, all those years of ministry that he spent, and in the end, there's only 120 who showed up in the upper room. I mean, Jesus, all his years, the greatest anointing the world had ever seen was able to get 120 people in a room that the Spirit of God breathed in. So the Spirit of God breathed on that group of people, and the church was born because there was a group of people there. There was something to breathe on. The breath of God just go. There was something to breathe on. So there's always been before, before anything God created, before God put man into the world, he created the world and then he put man in it. So everywhere we see that, see that uh, pattern that, that the structure is important, but they resisted structure, but structure is very, very important. For beauty and clarity to be revealed, it needs a context. So you can get a diamond. You can pick out a beautiful stone. But then once you've got that stone, if you just got it in a little box, you go, oh, "Look at that stone! Isn't that great?" What's nice is when you can put it in a setting, and you can set it in something that makes that stone makes its brilliance. You make it really manifest, and you make it sparkle. Well, God's goodness, God's life. I mean, who God is, His greatness, His love. He wanted to take us to be. And literally, in in Isaiah, it says that we are a royal diadem. We are we are a jewel that He holds out and says look at how beautiful, how wonderful. And he holds us out as a demonstration of his greatness and of his glory. So there's got to be some setting and there's got to be something that God can use to demonstrate that. So the family of God, the church, the body of Christ, the family of God is the context. It is the setting. It is the place where the nature and kingdom of God are best displayed. Thank you, sister. Praise the Lord. All right, so Matthew 6, 9, hour, say hour. Our Father which art in heaven. is not my Father, it's our Father. Why? Because it's a community, it's family. It's our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be your name, Ephesians 3.14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family on heaven and earth is named. He's bowing to the Father. The revelation of the great mystery of the body of Christ would come into revelation. The body of Christ, Ephesians 3.10, this is the vehicle that will show to principalities and powers in high places, the manifold wisdom of God. God's going to show his wisdom, every aspect of it, every single intrinsic part of it, he's going to show off through the body of Christ. It's us, it's the family. So he's a father to the fatherless, the defender of the widows, the God. He's in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound. He brings them into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Romans eight fifteen and 16, you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed the children of God, 1 Peter 1, 3. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In and by His great mercy, we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. talked about a guy named Christopher Knight. He was the North North Pond hermit. He lived about 27 years without any human contact in the woods in Maine. He parked his car, walked into the woods, 27 years, and when they, he was arrested for breaking into a house looking for some food, and uh, when they talked to him, they said, you know, what happened out there? He said, you know, I became very introspective, and without, uh, without others, I found no need to define myself. Without others, I found no need to define myself. Without community and without being in community, you will find that you don't know who you are. You are unable to even express your own personal destiny or what it's all about. He said, I became irrelevant. So by going off on a little trip as a hermit to find himself, he didn't, indeed, he didn't find himself. In fact, he actually lost himself and it got worse and worse. Vance Havner said, snowflakes are frail, but if you get enough of them together, they can stop traffic. So we know that's coming soon. Can I get an amen? All right. So let's look at the benefits. You ready for benefits? What are the benefits? What are the benefits? What are the members' benefits? What are the benefits of being a part of this house? We talked about what our verbs are, what our values are, but what are some of the just a practical, simple, easy, straight up? What are the benefits of being in community? Real simple stuff. You ready? Number one, there's safety. There's safety. When you're in a community and you're in a community of people that you know and you understand the values, you know what's important to us, you you know who we are, and you can plug into that place, you go, you know what, This this is a safe place. And it's important to be in a safe place. I love like I love what Marcy was saying that she she felt safe to trust her kids with us. She felt safe to you know get engaged. She felt safe to engage in things. She comes to small groups and starts to share her life and interact and say, Pray for this, pray for me. Starts to suddenly with a whole group of people who she didn't even know before. Suddenly she's sitting in living rooms and sitting in meetings and she's opening up the, the most intimate details of her life and saying, Help me. And she's being prayed for and she's making friends. She's developing relationships, and she's feeling like, I can risk being absolutely transparent because I know I'm in a safe place. And if you don't have that kind of safety, you're going to live your life in desperation because you're going to be a faker and a pretender because you have no place to just set every wall down and say, this is me, and I'm okay. And, you know, there's something beautiful about a real authentic community that all the stuff that brought us to where we are, it gets you to a place of something real simple like, I feel safe. You know, we had somebody, you know, said, I want to volunteer, I want to get involved and said, look, maybe I'll get involved in Kids Church. And so got involved in Kids Church, signed up, went through everything, went and had her first day in Kids Church and it was hell. And she just, uh, oh my God, that brought me no joy. I, the whole thing, I was anxious the whole time. I was like, oh, oh just, li-. and then after I was like, well, I can't quit because I committed to it. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and, I, and I'm not looking forward to my next time to be with all those kids. Oh no. And then all of a sudden she comes to Kelly and says, Kelly, I don't think I like doing that. And Kelly said, great. Then you're going to stop doing it. That's okay. That's totally Okay. Wow! So I'm free to say, I can't stand that. Yes, I can't stand that, Kelly. I can't do it. And then she plugged into media, plugged into a whole different aspect, and she loves that. But you know what? When you're in a safe place, you don't have to pretend in an area of service where you're going, I hate this. Oh, I hate this. You can actually be wide open. You can say, I tried that. Hated it. (laughs) Moving on. Thanks for everything. Kelly goes, yeah, great. Please get out of here because we want people to love it. And that's where you got to discover your gifts. But sometimes, you know what? You don't know your giftings if you don't try something and get involved and give it a go say give it a go Give it a go. So we want safety. So Philippians 1, 3 to 11 said, I thank my God every remembrance of you always. And I haven't got the whole passage there, but this is Paul talking about Philippians. He said, I thank God. Every time I think about you, I just go, thank God for you. And I do it always in my prayers, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So feeling safe is vital to authentic community. If you don't feel safe, you'll always be guarded and fake. Adam and Eve were naked, and they were unashamed. I'm not saying we got to be naked, but I'm saying kind of socially, you know, or else we'd all be sleep with the lights on. Oh, my God. But, but it's being free. It's just being yourself. It's being unencumbered. You're not playing games. You're not performing a role how many have been to church and you've seen it's just a whole lot of people prefer- God bless your brother priest Jesus how you doing and you're just like I'm exhausted by the time it's done so you can just be yourself here and that's okay amen Paul had some very healthy relationships that helped him do everything God called him to do every believer needs healthy relationships if they're gonna be everything that God calls them to be and I love this because these are you know just four things out of that passage that we're looking at about safety There's safety because there's plenty of affirmation. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You know, when you're in a culture, it feels safe when you're in a culture where people are thankful for you. Whenever they think about you, it's joy whenever they think about you. It's a culture where there's that constant affirmation. There's that constant, there's plenty of it. There's an overflowing affirmation of who you are. And when you start to get that, it's hard to enjoy those you are constantly critical of but Paul said, I'm mindful of you, I'm prayerful of you, and I'm hopeful of you. He didn't say, I'm critical of you, I'm always analyzing you, I'm always wondering about you. No, he said, I am mindful, I'm prayerful, and I'm hopeful. And What's Paul saying about us now? He's saying he's nuts about us. He's saying he affirms us. He's saying he's mindful of us. Every time he thinks about us, he's joyful. I mean, man, Paul's just nuts about us. And when you have that kind of culture of where you're celebrated, you're loved on, and you're blessed. I mean, that's a place where you're going to be safe to process life, and you're going to be safe to move on in what God's called you to do. Can I get a hallelujah? All right. So another thing, there's plenty of confidence. So listen, he said, being confident. Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, he's going to continue, it. he's going to bring it to a flourishing conclusion. So misplaced confidence can ruin your relationships. If you're You know, if you have confidence that, you know, and and you have expectations and you've got a script for people to do certain things for you to feel happy, that's misplaced confidence. So my confidence in you is in the fact that I believe God started something in you. In, In the staff meeting today, we were reading something about a ministry that really affected you know, North America in a big way, but it went sideways, it got messed up, and we were like, what's the learning from all of that? And in the end, we prayed for it, and in the end, you know, I just felt in my heart that although this thing's gone sideways, I'm confident that God began something in that ministry. I'm confident that somewhere in that person's heart, God started something, and even if they got sideways and misguided and creepy religious with the whole thing, I believe there's something in them, and I'm confident that God himself loves him, and he's gonna bring that thing back into a flourishing state, and he's gonna restore that ministry. And that was just spontaneous because that's something we're baptized in is that we are confident not in you or confident in our agenda for you, but we're confident that God started something special in you. And because he started something special in you, I am really confident in you. I'm confident about you. And I'm confident that God put something special in you. And I want to celebrate it. I want to serve it. I want to bless it. And you can be safe in a place where you're affirmed. And you can be safe in a place where the people are confident not in their agenda for you, but they're confident in the God who's called you, has something big for you. I want to serve it. I want to bless it. Wow. Hey, that was, that was actually, that was good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I love this. That he says, because I have you in my heart. I love that don't you I have you in my heart and you know you know you're in a safe place when people don't have you you know on their attendance list they don't have you as you know some person that I can now use and place to forward and advance my ministry but the people are in your heart and I love the Apostle Paul he says I have you in my heart isn't that beautiful like here's the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian church, and he's choosing these words to speak to them. I affirm you. I am confident in you. And he says, you know what? I have you in my heart. And we want to be a church where there's lots of heart space. We want to be a church where our hearts are, are pressed even open because I want to make more room in my heart for people. So it takes effort to get people in your heart. It takes effort to keep people in your heart. You have to fit people in, and sometimes you just got to make more room. Okay, that was, that was okay too. So there's affirmation, there's confidence, there's plenty of heart space. And then I love this. He says, how greatly I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And you know, I, I just want, I'm, I'm amazed that God is an affectionate God. God's not some stoic God who sits on a throne and says, smarten up down there. He really is affectionate. He's an affectionate God. And there's plenty of affection where you got plenty of affirmation, plenty of confidence, plenty of heart space, plenty of affection. That's a place where people are going to feel safe. They're going to feel like I can be myself here. I can grow here. I can make mistakes here. I can, I can risk doing something out there and I'm not going to experience rejection or anything because I am absolutely embraced, affirmed, and loved. So only those who have genuine love relationship with Jesus can express genuine affection. You only love to the degree that you've been loved. A lot of people have a hard time loving because they're still so selfish. They're still, they're still trying to get love instead of operating out of the fact that you've been loved. And when you've been loved, you're free to give love. Because you're not diminished in any way because the love that I've been loved with, oh my goodness, it's massive. And I mean, it's, it's hard to even keep it in. And you've got to let it blow out of your life because you only love to the degree you're loved and you've been loved in a big way. We love him because he first loved us. You know, the old covenant, the law, even though it's quoted in the Gospels, it was still the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul. It was the law. Jesus said to him, what does the law say? He said, the law says this. And yet we we bring that and think it's some new covenant pattern that we got to love God. We don't love God. You see, God loved us. Therefore, we love him. See, the love that I have for God didn't come from my effort to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Is it enough? Is it enough yet? Did I love you enough? Are you okay with my love? Did my love satisfy you? No, he loved me first. He, it says he first. What's first mean? First. He first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. And you need to have that kind of love. It was God. It's the love of God has been poured in your hearts by your self-effort to express love. No, the love of God was poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I wasn't just given God's love. I was given the Holy Spirit, poured the love in my heart that I reciprocate love back to God. It's all from him, to him, and through him is it every single thing including your love for God. It's not something you perform. It's something that flows out of a beautiful vibrant living relationship. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, that was safety. How many how many think it's good to be safe? How many feel safe? You know, how many have been in a place where you don't feel safe? You know, it's important to feel safe. I want people to feel safe here. It would concern me so much if somebody felt guarded here and they feel that they have to protect themselves and that's not on them, that's on me, you know, so I I would be so grieved if someone felt like, you know, in your culture, I've got to protect myself. In your culture, I've got to be careful. I would understand in the first few times, you know, I remember Ramey when he first came, I, I wanted to get the card, the guest card and Ramey was like, I don't think so. I was like, I get that. I really do. I would never, ever fill out a card myself, but we're going to see what we can do. He came back the next week. and said, hey, what do you say about a card? I don't think we're there for a card. You know? And I loved it. Then I, I took it as a, an opportunity. It was a challenge. It was my competition theme came up. you know. And about the fourth Sunday, finally, he actually came to me and said, all right, I think we're at the card point. I said, yes. Yes. You know, I mean, I tell you, you handed me one of those bags, I would leave it at the back, leave it under my chair. I'm not taking it because if I take your bag, I owe you something. You know, there's no way, man. I'm not being whole. So I understand that. So I, I, I said, this is, I get this guy. I totally get it. But I'm going to overcome his reluctance, you know. See, if somebody's not comfortable, that's, that's my fault. You know, because with Jesus, people would walk three days without food following Jesus around. You know, and it says that, that same degree of love, that same passion, all that he is, I am supposed to be representing him. So we want to have a culture here where people feel just unbelievably accepted and loved. Amen? Amen. Do you feel accepted and loved? Okay. I feel accepted and loved too then. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Safety. Let's go to number two. Support. Support. We're we're a family. We're a family here. We're a family that laugh a lot. I know that's not how you spell laugh, all right? But we're a family where there's support. You know, you don't just feel safe, but you feel supported. And you feel supported because, first of all, we believe in loving unconditionally. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So trying not to sin does not lead to loving others. Loving others leads to less sin. If you'd quit worrying about behavior and just just love people, I'm telling you, if you put other people first, it would change your whole world. It would deal with the essence of love, which is selfishness. And if you deal with the root of that, I mean, you deal with everything. So, we're a place who wants to laugh a lot, and part of that is you'll be supported because you'll be loved unconditionally. I screwed up. Love ya. I really blew it. Love ya. I'm not like you. Love ya. I don't look like you. Love you. You guys are team A. I'm team B. Love you. We're talking today in staff meeting about we had the, the Jews and the Gentiles and some of the Gentiles got baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and the Jews were like, what are we gonna do with this problem? What a problem we have. Gentile people got the Holy Ghost like we did. It literally says, what are we gonna do with the Gentile problem? So literally, team A was walking in the goodness of God and suddenly, team B got it. And team A was like, what are we going to do about Team B? Team B got the goodness of God. Now I'll tell you something, if you think we're Team A, who's Team B? Who's Team B today? Who's the people today that we would look at and go, oh my God, Team B, the glory of God touched Team B. I wasn't ready for that. You know, Wow, I mean, they literally felt that that can't happen. Who is it in our culture that we feel like it can't happen and I can't accept it? We'd have to have a whole council meeting with all of the bigwigs and we'd all have to decide do we accept that God accepts them? Do we accept that God bypassed us and He decided to just whack them with the Holy Ghost? And now we gotta have a meeting and say, do we agree with God? There's a lot of the culture today that church right now says, we're in our holy huddle, we're team A, and team B is a problem. And we, we literally look at the rest of the world as it's a problem. When God says it's not a problem, it's something I love. It's something I, I died for. And it's something I want to bring into a relationship with myself. Would you stop being a bunch of stickity-uppity-nosed people and embrace what I love, even if it looks messy, even, even if it you know doesn't do stuff the right way? That's why we put connect way before believe or way before anything else. In fact, believe wasn't even on our list because we want people to connect. I love what Zach said. Jesus was vulnerable enough with those relationships that he didn't say, believe in me and you can follow. He just said, hey, follow me. And I trust that what is in my life is so powerful that if you just follow me, things will shift in your world. Not because I tell you to, but because love will compel you. And you know, come, we accept you because we believe eventually you'll change. Well, that's that's a, that's still, that's backward. That's a screwed up motive. I'm basically saying that I'm going to tolerate you for a while, but I got an agenda. I'll tolerate you amongst us because I'm expecting that you'll stop being Team B and you'll join Team A. What if they're always going to be Team B, but they love Jesus? Could we handle that? Wow, I wasn't expecting to go there tonight, you know, but you guys are like the, you know, dog days of summer team. So... You're okay with a little mature discussion. Can I get an amen? amen? I mean, do we really unconditionally love? I mean, can we really put on the sign out front everyone is welcome? Well, they're all welcome, but they better change. I mean, I'll watch them for a while. What about you? When are you gonna change? Because I've been watching you for a while. Oh, sorry, Cheryl smiling at me. I must have got the serious look in my eye. There's lots of room in my heart for you. <laughs> You're in a safe place. I'm not feeling safe now. (laughs) Okay, sorry, I better move on. All right, so we, we love unconditionally, amen. Love is sacrificially ascribing infinite worth to another. Another meaning another. Another meaning a person who's not like you. It means there's you and then there's others. So what does every other person in your world deserve from you? infinite, unconditional value and worth. How many think that might change the world? We judge you, judge you, judge you. We think you're the problem. We think you're why we're all going to hell in the handbasket. It's team B that's screwing everything up. No, it's not. It's team A having an attitude towards team B. Anyway, I've just, okay, let's go on to B. (laughs) That was A. B is we accept completely. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. How many think that's pretty good? Accept one another. Yes, but that's one another in the church, right? Accept one another. Anne Lamont said, can you safely assume you've created a God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do? You know, I know all the people God's angry with. Well, you just blew it right there. For God so loved the world. Okay. C, let's go to C, for we forgive on purpose. Who are we? Members are here because we are here and we create a realm of safety and we create a realm of support. That's what we expect from members. So members forgive on purpose. Above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sin, forgives, and disregards the offenses of others. Max Licato in Shape by Grace said, What disturbs me most about Jeffrey Dahmer is not his acts, not his trial. That should be trial, not trail. And not his punishment, but his conversion. Like Max Licato said, when I heard that Jeffrey Dahmer accepted Jesus in prison and was baptized, was made a part of the body of Christ, he freaked out about that. He went, no! But if you're reading your Bible, you're reading about Manasseh, who was the worst king of all the kings, just a horrible king, terrible stuff he led Israel into, but in the end he repented, and God said, you're blessed. Do you know how amazingly good God is? Isn't he good, you know? But it means we've got to be people who, we don't say you can be forgiven. We tell them, here's the good news, the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. That was the message. Acts 13, go look at the message Paul preached. He said, I preach to you the forgiveness of sins. Boom. All right. William Arthur Ward said, Thoughts, In Thoughts of a Christian Optimist, he wrote, We are most like beasts when we kill, most like men when we judge, but you're most like God when we forgive. And isn't that what we're trying to be? That's what we're trying to be. So, this is a story. Listen to this story now. Listen to the story of two friends walking through the desert. During some point in the journey, they had an argument. The one friend slapped the other friend in the face. The one who got slapped in the face was hurt. But without saying anything, he wrote in the sand, Today, my best friend slapped me in the face. He was hurt. And without saying anything, he wrote in the sand, Today, my best friend slapped me in the face. They kept walking until they found an oasis where they decided to take a bath. The one who'd been slapped got struck in the, got, the one who'd been slapped in the face got stuck in the mire, and he started to drown. But the friend saved him. And after he recovered from the near drowning, he wrote on a stone, Today, my best friend saved my life. The friend who had slapped and saved his best friend asked him, after I hurt you, you wrote in the sand, but now you're writing on a stone. Why? The other friend replied, when someone hurts you, you should write it down in sand where the winds of forgiveness can erase it. But when someone does something good for you, engrave it on stone where the winds can never erase it. I just thought it was a neat little story. You know, how often we get hurt and we actually put our hurts on stone. You know, love has no records of wrong. You should see the file cabinet I have upstairs with all the wrongs. You know, I'm still working through some stuff, but I have a big file on a lot of people. I go, oh, yeah. They call, I go, yeah. Let me pull the file out. Shit, yeah, that person. It's hard to forgive sometimes, isn't it? But you know, it should. It should be a principle. It should be something that's up front. Be something that. It is a natural reaction in our world that you know forgiveness is something that boom, it just flows because. I've been forgiven a lot. Anybody else here been forgiven a lot? Is anybody else happy that when you were doing all your crazy stuff, there were no phones and no iPhones and no Facebook and people couldn't videotape your nonsense? Oh my God, I'd never get a job ever. <laughs> but thank God he loves me. And thank God people even knew me back then. They loved me and believed better things. It's so great to be forgiven, healed, and free. Okay. All right. Honor everyone. Proverbs 25, the purpose of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out, you know, and you're in a place, you're in a culture where there's support. You're in a place where people are drawing out of you the good things. They're drawing out of you the deep things of God, and you're in a place where you are honored. Everybody should be honored. I believe in you. God believes in you. God had a dream, and he wrapped your body around it. And you are incredibly significant and important. And that's what membership is around here. Membership is a place where you're safe. And membership is a place where you are very, very supported. These are the benefits of membership at Impact Church. Has anybody felt the safety and the support already? Is anybody still waiting for it? Anybody hoping it might show up in their lives? Okay, so that's good. All right, so uh, you got Vance Havner again. Apparently, I thought I'd throw him in twice. So there you go. Now, number three. Number three, you ready? We're all the way to number three, stretching. Say stretching. Uh, You know what happens here? You know what happens for members around here? They get stretching, amen? Everybody kind of want knee here. Oh, that's good. Uh, Stretching. Stretching is something that happens here. The easiest kind of relationship is with 10,000 people. The hardest is with one. If your mind grows faster than your heart, you'll lack understanding and discernment. Your heart will shrivel up. Stretch. We want you to stretch. We want you to stretch. We have a narrow little belief system. It's this big. Please keep on that little square. Don't move from it. We will all agree with each other if we all think like this little box. In fact, let's all operate with one brain, mine. Let's all agree with me, think like me, believe like me, walk like me. Let's all have the same view of the last days. Let's all have the same view of the atonement. Let's all have the same view of every doctrine that's not clear in the Bible. Let's all have the absolute same opinion of hell. Let's all have all the exact same opinions so we can all agree together. And let's all think with my brain. And if you ever have an opinion that is other than what we have authorized, we will evict you quickly that's not a part of our culture no if, if you need me to be absolutely certain on all those things I have got very very firm convictions on all those things I really do I believe you really should But I have people here. I have my own wife has different convictions than I do about certain things. But you know what I'm serious about is that I want her to stretch me. I want her to challenge me. I don't want to have a narrow perspective of life where let's all stay in our little bubble. Oh, did you hear it? Somebody believes different than us. Run away. Hide quick. We're in a culture where it's okay to stretch. It's okay to stretch. Thank God Martin Luther stretched. Thank God when they were still sending penances and indulgences and all that stuff, Martin Luther popped up. The just shall live by faith. Oh, beat him down. I believe that there's present truth. I believe God is still pouring out revelation today. And I believe that he can do it. And I believe that he can lead and guide his church. And I believe in his ability to keep us on the straight and narrow way more than I believe in the devil's ability to deceive us. And I believe that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I don't believe we have to be, you know, who said they believe that? Stop it over there. Hey, stop that. Hey, how many believe exactly the same way you did five years ago? Stuff changes. There's things I look at sermons I preached 25 years ago. I'm, that was crazy. (laughs) How did we get through that? But God's always been good to us, right? But you know, it's amazing how there's God's moving and He's doing things. But some people are like, oh, I don't like. I want it to be absolutely. I want it to be locked down. But you know, here you're going to experience something. Being a member in this church means you're going to stretch. Is that okay? Is that all right? All right, don't stretch me though, because <laughs> I am so inflexible. You ever see me? I can't even touch my toes. So please, you know, don't. Okay, stretch. Look what it says about stretch. When your muscles are active, their constant contractions and extensions aid in the process of moving blood through the capillaries. The microscopic vessels that serve your body's cells, when the muscles are inactive for long periods of time, the blood has harder time moving through the capillaries. This results in a decrease of oxygen in the muscle tissue and an increase in the waste products and the blood that the blood normally carries away. So when you get stuck in crazy, creepy doctrines that you think you have to descend because you're just too proud to let it go... That's when you become in spiritual atrophy. Okay. I don't know who that was for because all all you people are Wednesday night lovers of God. So during sleep most of our skeletal muscles are normally switched off but the brain by the brain to prevent potentially harmful motion and blood pressure gradually drops upon awakening our muscles are starved for oxygen boom right away pow they need to get rid of this irritating waste the brain needs a blood pressure increase to prepare the body for activity especially standing up and all of those tissues are addressed by a good stretch all of those issues and tissues they're dealt with with a good good stretch. Can I get an amen? The simultaneous elongation and the contraction of almost uh, every muscle flushes out waste, brings in oxygen, boosts the blood pressure. Notice what happens to your heartbeat next time you have a good morning stretch. The rate temporarily increases. It does that to force the beat up and all that to handle the changes in the blood supply. Upon awakening, our muscles are oxygen starved and are loaded with irritating waste. Boom. When you surround yourself with people who approach every aspect of life and faith just like you do, it can lead to a very dull experience. Nothing to challenge you or to add or to contrast in your life. You become a dull, monochromatic existence. I only hang out with people who believe just like me. Jesus hung out with all kinds of people. And you know what? My belief system isn't fragile. See, I love the fact that we have people who came out of a seminary where there's profs who don't even believe in God. But you know what, my belief system isn't affected by what another person thinks. Like, I'm not fragile. My relationship with the way, the truth, the life is so powerful that in whatever setting I'm in, I'm secure and I'm okay. But sometimes it's okay to stretch. And stretching is a part of our culture, opportunities to be stretched in a typical impact group. I've been in MCAT groups where we have, we have people from North America, South America, Africa, Asia. We've got every ethnicity and every background. We've got every socioeconomic background. We've got young people. We've got old people. Where else in the world can you go to a small group and be exposed to that? I mean how dull is it to only hang out with the same subculture all the time? But when you get into small groups and you come to a church, in a church you become family with all kinds of people that are not like you. And you get a beautiful opportunity to interact with so many people. That's why I had somebody say to me one day there's not a there's no scent of racism in this church. So I went, "Thank you, Jesus." Because that's horrible. It would be a horrible thing in the body of Christ to smell racism. I mean, that's a demonic, nasty, ugly thing. But I love the fact when you come to church, you're going to rub elbows with people from every aspect of life. And in, in that situation, you're all equal. You're all brothers and sisters. You're all loved and accepted. Nobody's better than another person. You're all there to experience the love and grace of God together. Where can you get that? You can only get that in the body of Christ. You know, because in culture, you go to a restaurant. You know, well, I don't go to those restaurants. Well, I do because I'm special. You do. We dress like this and we eat over here. you come to church, you know, all that stuff is out because we come to the cross, every single one of us, and every single one of us are under his beautiful, loving care and I. And that's a beautiful thing, that everybody is somebody in the body of Christ, and you can sit in a circle with ten. Well, we've got the rich and famous group on Wednesday nights, hallelujah, they're meeting over here. You know, we've got the barely making it group over here, and I hate that. You know, we got the, we got the struggling addicts on that side. We got the, the prosperity people over here. We got the, the business people taking the planet for God people. And those people who don't know their right hand from their left, you're over there. I want to put them all in one group. And I want them all to be stretched by each other. I want you to feel what each and every one of those people are going through. I want you to live in their shoes. I want you to feel their life. Where do you get to do that? You get to do that. At impact church and you do it on purpose and you do it intentionally. You know, Marcia never went to a parenting class. Not parenting, parenting class. We didn't have a parenting small group. Marcia, come to the parenting small group. But what did she learn? Her parenting was transformed and impacted. Never went to one course about parenting, but she did get plugged into small groups where she interacted with people like me, people from the Philippines, people from Argentina, you know, people from out west. That was the strange thing, was the people from out west. That was a bit weird, but anyways, but you know, they're not here, so it's okay tonight, but <laughs> they'd probably, they they are watching live stream but they'd love that I'm talking about them if they knew it, but But I love that because I get to encounter people. And my life, my life is way bigger, way broader. And and my capacity to love is way bigger because I've been stretched by people that are not like me. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get a hallelujah? I'm on number three. Sorry, honey. Okay. Stretch. It's all about stretching. Colossians says, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. First Chronicles nine twenty two and 23, i become all things to all men that I might by all means win some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. Luke 19, 9 and 10, and Jesus said, today salvation has come to your house. He went to the worst of the worst. There were sinners, and then there's tax collectors, and then he was a chief tax collector. He had a category all of his own. There's sinners, there's really bad sinners, and then there's Zacchaeus. I mean, he was the worst of the worst. Everybody's blown away. I can't believe he's going to his house, but Jesus said, I must go to your house today. And he went to his house and he said, today salvation has come to your home. And he said something to blow all their minds. He said, you are every bit, and the word that you are every bit, a son of Abraham. Whoa, that would have freaked them all out. You just called the chief tax collector an enemy of all that we are, a partner with Rome. You just said he's a son of Abraham. That's what Jesus did. Jesus stretched out over the pain. He stretched himself out over humanity. He stretched into every place. And he didn't have some narrow approach to humanity. He stretched into every aspect of life. And he said, "You're all of great value." So we're seriously in the stretching. all right? So Paul uh, Paul wanted, to, uh, Paul wanted to, him to go with him, so he took him and he circumcised him. This is Timothy. Timothy, I want you to come with me. We're going to go a bunch a bunch of Jewish people. You know how much? I hate the circumcision, but you know what we're going to do? If you don't mind, I got this knife here, and just if you don't mind, just this robe there a bit, okay? It's amazing what Paul went through there because he said, we, wanna, we want the gospel. There's places we want to take the gospel, Timothy, and because we do, I'm going to do to you what I hate, but we're going to do that to you <laughs> <laughs> because I just want to reach people. So if you don't mind, I mean, Paul's just had a passion, didn't he? So what are we talking about? We're talking about we want to be stretched and we don't want to be narrow-minded. What do we know about narrow-minded people? They can see through a single keyhole of both eyes. We know that. We know that they're easily offended. We know that they are slaves of assumptions. Would you like a a cherry? I'm not going to like cherries. Have you ever had one? No, but I won't like it. Have you ever done this? No, but I know I won't like it. You know, we're yeah, there's a lot of people like that, amen. Okay, uh, narrow-minded people are know-it-alls. They come with their own agenda. They know everything. They fear all the unknowns, all the unknowns. They're they're afraid of everything. They have trust issues, and they're judgmental, and they quit on people. So I put the negative things in there just so that if you had a hard time understanding what the positive aspect was, sometimes if you throw the ugly part, you can help people understand. Oh, (laughs) I get it. So we're not like that, amen? So that's, members aren't like that. Okay, let's go on to number four, sharpening. How many like all these S words? Safety, support, stretching, supporting. Oh, sorry, is sharpening. These all came from a little meeting of our staff yesterday who I said, help me frame this, and they were gracious enough to do that because even I don't have to do everything with one brain. Isn't that good? Okay, I thought I'd throw that in. All right, sharpening. Get your friends to tell you your faults. Even better, welcome an enemy who will watch you keenly and sting you savagely. What a blessing such an irritating critic will be to a wise man. What an intolerable nuisance to a fool. Did you like that quote, Cheryl? Man, you're really soft, eh? This is Charles Spurgeon. Yeah, you don't want to be the person who can't take criticism, right, you know, and so that's hard, but, but no, I, you do take criticism so well, amen, so it's good, that pot roast, (laughs) actually the pot roast, I would never touch your cooking, honest to God, because it's always so good, I'm a, I'm a manifestation of its greatness, okay, okay, Cletty Keith, he said, a knife cuts because it has a narrow focus, you need to be sharpened, Proverbs 27, 5 says, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed, Ecclesiastes 10:10 says if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge then he must use more strength but wisdom brings success. So I mean if the axe is dull get it sharpened. Uh, Proverbs 27:17 says as iron sharpens iron. Say as iron, as iron. sharpens iron. Sharpens now sharpens iron. Iron. I meant to go upstairs and get a knife and get that, you know, uh, get that sharpener and just take it and go <laughs> you know it says as iron sharpens iron like if i stood here and had that knife going against that you'd hear knife you'd hear the you'd hear the smack of the metal against the metal you'd hear it grinding as we're going through the sharpening process there's actual and, and these people knew that when the, the writer of the Proverbs saying, as iron sharpens iron, they're seeing an anvil, they're seeing fire, they're seeing a hammer. And he's saying, as iron sharpens iron, they're seeing sword against sword, they're seeing sword against a stone, they're seeing things being sharpened. How? As iron sharpens iron. You don't get that because we don't do that every day. But you know, it's iron, it's something, bang, it's an impact, there's, there's something hard being sharpened by something else hard. I went to church, and I got impacted by another heavy piece of iron. I went to church, and I felt like I was on an anvil, an immovable thing that was shaping my life. As iron sharpens iron. That's what it says. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. If you had a friend sharpen your countenance recently, no, I move on because, you know, I just don't like that. It's because you're unwilling to do the one before that, which is stretch. You know, how many don't mind being stretched? I like stretching. I, I'm sorry to say, I'm your pastor, and there's some things I'm not certain about, and I'm glad that I got people in my life who can help me. I'm not an island unto myself. I, I know what I know. And the rest, I have staff me and say, what are we doing? Iron sharpens iron. The word sharpen is the word "khadad." It means to be sharp, to be alert, to be keen, to be fierce, to be swift. You know, if we want those things, then we need that interaction in our lives. And in here, members are going to get sharpened. Thank you, appreciate that, all right? Metal on metal, sword on sword, on a wheel, on a hammer, in a fire, on an anvil. Countenance, the word countenance is the word panim. Panim, the word panim means face, face. The face of it. The face before and behind. The face toward. The face in front of. The face forward. And it's used in three different ways. It's used your countenance. So what's going to get sharpened? What, what gets sharpened? What, what, my countenance will get sharpened by other people. What gets sharpened? How you look gets sharpened. How you look at things gets sharpened. How you look at things ahead of you gets sharpened. When you're in a community and you're a member, there's benefits. And one of the benefits is you're going to experience iron. On iron affecting your countenance. Why are you so sad? Why does your face look like you've been sucking lemons all day? Well, don't talk to me like that. I am talking to you like that because I mean, the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's clearly something out of order. What do you need? How can I help you? Because where you are, I can't bear you staying. So the way you look right now, I want to help you shift that because clearly something's out of line because the face, the eyes, it's a window to your soul and you got some soul issues that if you don't mind, they're going to be intentionally intrusive and say, let's deal with that. You feel safe. See, if you feel safe, you're okay with that. And if you feel supported, you're okay with that. And if you like stretching, you're okay with that. But if you're narrow-minded, you'll pull back and you'll withdraw because you're afraid, because you're not sure who you are. But it's good to be in those kind of relationships. It'll also touch how do you look at things. Why do you see that that way? Why do you always come to that conclusion? Why, when you get poked like that, does always come out? <laughs> what are you doing? Why, why do you behave like that? What's going on? What's going on with that? And then your future. Why are you so pessimistic? Why are you so hopeless? Why, why, every time you think about your future, is it such a wah, wah, wah? How are you doing? Am I picking, is, is, did I just cause a bit of iron to happen somewhere? <laughs> I went to church, the pastor annoyed me. Good! Did I shout? That's why we have Zach preach every once in a while now, so that you don't get annoyed every week. <laughs> Isn't he good though? He's, it's just awesome. It's such a blessing. Good stuff. All right, so it's good. Amen. They are intentionally intrusive. They celebrate each other without reservation. It should be our natural impulse to celebrate people. You got a new house? Well, That sucks. Why they get a new house? Who do they think they are? That's not what you do. You come over with a pie and say, "Hey, I wanted to see. I wanted to celebrate with you. We just moved into a new house." 765 Wellington Street, uh, like cherry pies. <laughs> come sit on our front porch, have a coffee, and let's eat that pie. We celebrate, we do things. Criticism is cowardly self-praise. When I mean, you gotta criticize somebody, or, or people come to you and their criticism, and they, they, yeah, that's awesome, and they go, yeah, not really. Yeah. Criticism is cowardly self-praise. That's those people who are insecure and selfish. Speak the truth in love. You have a piece of lettuce on your tooth, Kelly. Piece of lettuce on your tooth. You ever do that with someone? You just kind of they're talking, to you just kind of go, and then they're talking. All of a sudden they're like, and you just mess it with them. Yeah. You know? And they're. Don't do that. Okay. All right. So Paul cared so much for the community that they were building that it was authentic. And there was no room for any form of bigotry or racism. He loved Peter enough to confront him in public and his sin was public, so he confronted him publicly. He had a public face-to-face encounter with Peter to guard the quality of the community that they worked so hard to preserve. Remember in Galatians where, you know, Peter's hanging out with all the Gentile folk and all that, and then the guys from Jerusalem came and Peter's like, oh, over here, eat with these guys. Hello, guys. Oh, shalom. You know, the Lord blessed. Me. No pork on this table and suddenly he became a little perfect Jew and Paul just got up and said hey everybody Peter is an absolute hypocrite Peter what are you doing he loved Peter enough to say don't do that Peter that's not our culture it's not who we are and he intentionally did that uh, integrity, who we are, is a really big deal. A young man was raised in a Jewish home. He had a, he had a, his dad was zealous in attending worship and religious instruction. When the family was forced to move to another city in Germany, there was no synagogue in the city. All the pillars of the community attended the Lutheran church, so the dad announced one day that the family was simply going to become Lutherans. When uh, the stunned family asked why, the dad said it would be good for my business. So the young man became confused and bewildered, and he was disappointed because, and he became a deeply, a deep bitterness that would plague him the rest of his life. He left home to study in England, and the young man wrote a book in which he conceived the whole new worldview. In that book, he called religion the opiate of the masses, and he reduced the influence of religion, to purely economic terms. The young man's name was Karl Marx. The system developed by this bitter young man has condemned countless thousands and the influence of the hypocrisy of his father is being felt around the world. Tell me that integrity doesn't matter. So it's important. Somebody should have got up in his business and said, what are you doing? And integrity, who you are and what you're doing, you need to be in a circle of people who hold you accountable for who you are and what you believe. Let's go on to number five, satisfaction. Holy cow, where'd the time go? How many many noticed that time just went like flew tonight? How many have already been looking at your watch going, when is he going to stop? We got how many pages? How many have been looking ahead on the pages wondering what is going on? You? Anybody else? All heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you. Okay. So good, we're done. Satisfaction is very easy. Psalm 133, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in harmony. So community is a big deal. What's it like? It's, It's like the oil that flows down Aaron's beard. How many know most people's beards are prickly? But when the oil covers all the prickly parts, it causes satisfaction. The oil is the anointing oil, the power of God, the Spirit. Spiritual power of God when There's satisfaction There's that pleasantness there It's also like the dew on Mount Hermon You don't have to have rain or anything else There's dew, there's refreshing I mean heavy, heavy dews that refresh So when there's a, a community of people like that There's spiritual blessing There's physical blessing You don't have to create it You can maintain it Because it is the unity that's found in the spirit of God Can I get an amen? So let's move on to the second part of the sermon Which is opportunities So those were the benefits Let's now talk about the opportunities You ready for the opportunities? opportunities, this will not take as long. Now, the benefits were all those things. Here's the opportunities. All right. You get the opportunity to provide safety. You get the opportunity to provide support. You get the opportunity to provide stretching. You get the opportunity to provide sharpening. You get the opportunity to provide satisfaction. Amen. All right. I can't even find page six. There it is. Last little thing there, real community is important, but right there is a laminin cell. A laminin cell is the adhesion molecule that tells the cells what its job is in the body. It's like rebar for the human body. It's a laminin cell. It's what connects and causes things to come together in the body. The interesting thing about a laminin cell, that's the laminin cell on the left. Every laminin cell looks just like the one on the right. Every laminin cell is in the shape of a cross. Isn't that amazing? Your body, every laminate cell which brings things together and holds together your body on purpose, every one of those cells looks like that. And you know what brings us together and holds us together? It's the one finished work of the cross. It's what Jesus did for each and every one of us. That's what holds us together in every way. And you see all of that. And when they were moving like that and they all came together in that kind of power, it says a deep sense of awe came over them all. The whole world, the whole known world in their area, when they saw the church functioning as the church, a deep sense of awe came over everybody. That's what we want to do, is we want to create in this community a deep sense of awe when we gather. Because they say, wow, that's pretty awesome stuff. All right, there you go, I'm done. That wasn't so hard, was it? All I needed was somebody to throw the clock at me. All right, that was good. I'm going to pray, and we're going to eat some ice cream. If you've got to go home and sleep, you go home and sleep. Otherwise, we're going to let you go. Can I get an amen on that one? Was that all right? I got it, I got it carried away on a few points. I should have moved on faster. But anyway, we're trying to really lay it out. This is what it's all about. This is, this is who we are. This is how the family here functions. Helpful? Not helpful? How many came for just the ice cream? <laughs> all right. Father, we thank you for your goodness We thank you for your grace I thank you for this community Thank you for our staff Thank you for all that we do Thank you for the safety, the support, the stretching The uh, sharpening yeah, Sharpening was a good one And the satisfaction Thank you for all that Thank you that we don't, don't only experience that But we have an opportunity to manifest that And share that with everybody So bless this community Thank you for it In Jesus' precious name, amen